chapter seven of william lloyd garrison the abolitionist by archibald grimke this librivox recording is in the public domain master strokes help came but slowly to the reformer with a single instrument he had stirred the nation as no other man had done on the slavery question he had thrown the south into widespread excitement and thawed the apathy of the north into widespread attention he had won an almost instant hearing for his cause but he knew that this was not enough effective as he had shown the weapon of the press to be it alone was unequal to the conduct of prolonged agitation and prolonged agitation garrison clearly apprehended was to be the price of abolition back of him and the liberator he needed an organized force coadjutors like aaron and her to hold up his arms during the mighty conflict on which he had now entered with the slave interests of the country those interests were organized and because they were organized they were powerful the sentiment of freedom he determined to organize and to render it thereby invincible to organize wrong he designed to oppose organized right confident that organized right would prevail in the end he had knowledge of the utility of temperance societies in advancing the cause of sobriety among the people he had learned from lundy how much he had relied upon the union of men as anti-slavery helps garrison determined to summon to his side the powerful agency of an anti-slavery society devoted to immediate and unconditional emancipation he had already made converts he had already a small following at julian hall on the occasion of his first lecture on the subject of slavery he had secured three remarkable men to the movement viz rev samuel j may then a young unitarian minister samuel e sewell a young member of the bar and a bronson alcott a sage even in his early manhood they had all promised him aid and comfort in the great task which he had undertaken a little later two others quite as remarkable as those first three were drawn to the reformer's side and abetted him in the treason to iniquity which he was prosecuting through the columns of the liberator with unrivalled zeal and devotion these disciples were ellis gray loring and david lee child they were a goodly company were these five conspirators men of intellect and conscience of high family and social connections of brilliant attainments and splendid promises for the future to this number must be added a sixth oliver johnson who was at the time editing the christian soldier disciple of garrison then and ever after his devoted friend the early promises of this noble half-dozen friends of the slave were more than fulfilled in after years often to the dingy room under the eaves in merchant's hall they climbed to carry aid and comfort to one poor unlearned young man and to sit at his feet in this cradle-room of the new movement it was there in communion with the young master that suggestions looking to the formation 
of an anti-slavery society were doubtless first thrown out the place was dark unfurnitured and mean yet there the freedom of a race began it was not all clear sailing for the editor of the liberator even with such choice spirits they did not always carry aid and comfort to him but differences of opinions sometimes as well he did not sugar-coat enough the bitter truth which he was telling to the nation some of them would have preferred the safety lamp to the liberator as a title less likely to offend the prejudices of many good people some again objected to the pictorial heading of the paper as an altogether unwise proceeding and positively mischievous he had the same experience when the formation of an abolition society was under consideration he was confronted with this benevolent aversion to giving offence by calling things by their right names but much as he desired to have his friends and followers organized for associated action where a principle was at stake he was with them as with slavery itself absolutely inflexible and uncompromising he was for organizing on the principle of immediate emancipation a few deemed that ground too radical and revolutionary and were for ranging themselves under the banner of gradualism thinking to draw to their ranks a class of people who would be repelled by immediatism but garrison was unyielding refused to budge an inch to conciliate friend or foe not even such stanch supporters as were sewell and loring who supplied him again and again with money needed to continue the publication of the liberator no he was right and they were wrong and they not he ought accordingly to yield the contention between the leader and his disciples was not what was expedient but what was right it was on the part of the leader the assertion of a vital principle and on this ground he was pledged against retreat the mountain could not go to mahomet therefore mahomet must needs go to the mountain garrison could not abandon his position wherefore in due time loring child and sewell surrendered theirs finally has lowell expressed this righteous stubbornness and steadfastness to principle in three stanzas of his poem entitled the day of small things and which have such an obvious lesson for our own times that i shall venture to quote them in this place who is it will not dare himself to trust who is it hath not strength to stand alone who is it thwarts and bilks the inward must he and his works like sand from earth are blown men of a thousand shifts and wiles look here see one straightforward conscience put in pawn to win a world see the obedient sphere by bravery's simple gravitation drawn shall we not heed the lesson taught of old and by the presence lips repeated still in our own single manhood to be bold fortressed in conscience and impregnable will the history of the making of this first society is an interesting story there were four meetings and all before it was found possible to complete the work of its organization these meetings extended over a space of nearly three months so obstinate were a minority against committing the proposed society to the principle of immediate emancipation the very name which was to be given to the association provoked debate and disagreement some were for christening it 
philo-african while garrison would know such milk-and-water title but one which expressed distinctly and graphically the real character of the organization viz new england anti-slavery society he would sail under no false or neutral colors but beneath the red flag of open and determined hostility to slavery it should be a sign which no one could possibly mistake the first meeting was held at the office of samuel e sewell november thirteenth eighteen thirty one at the third meeting convened new year's evening of eighteen thirty two which was the first anniversary of the publication of the liberator the work of organization was finished with a single important exception viz the adoption of the preamble to the constitution the character of the preamble would fix the character of the society therefore that which was properly first was made to come last the fourth meeting took place on the night of january sixth in the african baptist church on what was then belknap but now known as joy street the young leader and fourteen of his followers met that evening in the schoolroom for colored children situated under the auditorium of the church they could hardly have fallen upon a more obscure or despised place for the consummation of their enterprise in the city of boston than was this selfsame negro church and schoolroom the weather added an ever memorable night to the opprobrium of the spot a fierce northeaster accompanied with snow rain and hail in equal proportions was roaring and careering through the city's streets to an eye-witness oliver johnson it almost seemed as if nature was frowning upon the new effort to abolish slavery but he added the spirits of the little company rose superior to all external circumstances if there was strife of the elements without neither was there sweet accord within among brethren the spirits of the little company may have risen superior to the weather but they did not rise superior to the preamble with the principle of immediatism incorporated in it eleven stood by the leader and made it the chief of the corner of the new society while three messrs loring sewell and child refused to sign the constitution and parted sorrowfully from the small band of the new england anti-slavery society but the separation was only temporary for each returned to the side of the reformer and proved his loyalty and valor in the trying years which followed the preamble which was the bone of so much contention declared that we the undersigned hold that every person a full age and sane mind has a right to immediate freedom from personal bondage of whatsoever kind unless imposed by the sentence of the law for the commission of some crime we hold that man cannot consistently with reason religion and the eternal and immutable principles of justice be the property of man we hold that whoever retains his fellow-man in bondage is guilty of a grievous wrong we hold that a mere difference of complexion is no reason why any man should be deprived of any of his natural rights or subjected to any political disability while we advance these opinions as the principles on which we intend to act we declare that we will not operate on the existing relations of society by other than peaceful and lawful means and that we will give no countenance to violence or insurrection twelve the apostolic number affixed to the preamble and constitution their names and thus formed the first garrisonian society for the abolition of slavery in the united states in the names of these apostolic men it is well to keep in mind they are william lloyd garrison oliver johnson robert b hall arnold buffham 
william j snelling john e fuller moses thatcher joshua coffin stillman b newcomb benjamin c bacon isaac knapp and henry k stockton the band of reformers their work done had risen to pass out of the low rude room into the dark night the storm was still raging they themselves had perchance been sobered by the experiences of the evening they had gone in fifteen they were returning twelve and after all what had they accomplished what could they a mere handful do to abolish slavery entrenched as it was in church and state it is possible that some such dim discouragement some such vague misgiving of the futility of the evening's labour was in the hearts of those wearied men and that their leader divined as much for the spirit of prophecy fell upon garrison just as they were stepping out into the storm and darkness we have met to-night he said in this obscure schoolhouse our numbers are few and our influence limited but mark my prediction Fenuel hall shall ere long echo with the principles we have set forth we shall shake the nation by their mighty power then the little band dispersed into the storm and darkness carrying with them these words charged with hope and courage the fruitful seed of organized agitation garrison had securely planted in soil fertile and ready for its reception its growth constitutes one of the marvels of reforms within a few brief years it multiplied into hundreds and thousands of societies throughout the free states but its beginnings were small and humble enough the objects of the society were according to the second article of the constitution to endeavour by all means sanctioned by law humanity and religion to effect the abolition of slavery in the united states to improve the character and condition of the free people of colour to inform and correct public opinion in relation to their situation and rights and to obtain for them equal civil and political rights and privileges with the whites the means which were immediately adopted by the society for the accomplishment of these objects were mainly three than which none others could have been more effective these were petitioning congress on the subject of slavery the publication and circulation of anti-slavery addresses and tracts and the employment of anti-slavery agents in obtaining or communicating intelligence in the publication and distribution of tracts books or papers or in the execution of any measure which may be adopted to promote the objects of the society such was the simple but unequalled machinery which the new england anti-slavery society relied upon for success in the war which it had declared against american slavery the executive power of the body and the operation of its machinery were lodged in a board of managers of which garrisons was the leading originating mind the society started out bravely in the use of its means by memorializing congress for the abolition of slavery in the district of columbia and in the territories of the united states under their jurisdiction and by preparing and distributing an address in maintenance of the doctrine of immediate emancipation the board of managers set the machinery in motion as far and as fast as the extremely limited pecuniary ability of the society would permit the membership was not from the rich classes it was oliver johnson who wittily remarked that not more than one or two of the original twelve could have put a hundred dollars into the treasury without bankrupting themselves the remark was true and was quite as applicable to any dozen of the newcomers as to the original twelve the society was never deficient in zeal but it was certainly sadly wanting in money and money was even to such men and to such a movement an important factor 
in revolutionizing public opinion the liberator was made the official organ of the society and in this way was added to its other weapons that of the press this was a capital arrangement for by it both the paper and the society were placed under the direction of the same masterly guidance there was still one arrow left in the moral quiver of the organization to reach the conscience of the people and that was the appointment of an agent to spread the doctrines of the new propaganda of freedom in august the board of managers metaphorically speaking shot this arrow by making garrison the agent of the society to lecture on the subject of slavery for a period not exceeding three months this was the first drop from a cloud then no bigger than a hand but which was to grow and spread until covering the north was at the end of a few short years to flood the land with anti-slavery agents and lecturers our anti-slavery agent visited portions of massachusetts maine and rhode island preaching the abolition gospel in divers places and to many people notably at such centres of population as worcester providence bangor and portland making of the latter city a signal conversion to his cause in the person of general samuel fessenden distinguished then as a lawyer and later as the father of william pitt fessenden the anti-slavery schoolmaster was abroad and was beginning to turn new england and the north into one resounding schoolhouse where he sat behind the desk and the nation occupied the forms so effective was the agitation prosecuted by the society during the first year of its existence that it was no empty declaration or boast of the abolitionist the new monthly periodical of the society that probably through its instrumentality more public addresses on the subject of slavery and appeals in behalf of the contemned free people of color had been made in new england during the past year eighteen thirty two than were elicited for forty years prior to its organization the introduction of the principle of association into the slavery agitation and the conversion of it into an organized movement was an achievement of the first importance to garrison more than to any man or to all others put together belongs the authorship of this immense initiative he it was who having announced the principle arranged the method of the abolition movement the marshalling of the anti-slavery sentiment of new england under a common standard in a common cause was a master-stroke of moral generalship this master-stroke the leader followed up promptly with a second stroke not less masterly that second stroke was his thoughts on african colonization published in the summer succeeding the formation of the new england anti-slavery society garrison's championship of the cause of the slave had started with strong faith in the efficacy and disinterestedness of the colonization scheme as an instrument of emancipation it commanded therefore his early support in his park street church address he evinced himself in earnest sympathy with the friends of colonization but after his arrival in baltimore a change began to exhibit itself in this regard he began to qualify his confidence in its utility began to discern in it influences calculated to retard general emancipation as these doubts and misgivings arose within him he expressed them frankly in the genius lundy had been suspicious of the pro-slavery purposes or interests of the enterprise for many years he could not reconcile himself to the significant or at least singular fact 
of so many slaveholders being in the membership and the offices of the association then in addition to this lack of confidence on the part of lundy in the scheme garrison became acquainted for the first time with the objects of the society's philanthropy the class of free people of color he found that these people were not at all well affected to the society that they had no appreciation of its benevolent intentions in respect to themselves he found on the contrary that they were positively embittered toward it and toward its designs for their removal from the country as toward their worst enemy this circumstance was undoubtedly a poser to their young friend how could he reconcile this deep-seated and widespread disbelief in the purity of the motives of the colonization society with the simple integrity and humanity of the enterprise itself later his acquaintance with such representatives of the free people of color in philadelphia as james fortin and his son-in-law robert purvis served but to confirm those first impressions which he received in baltimore from the watkinses and the greeners it was the same experience in new york and new haven in boston and providence he learned that from the very beginning in the year eighteen seventeen that the free people of color in richmond and philadelphia had by an instinctive knowledge of the threatened wrong and danger met and resolved against the society and its sinister designs upon themselves these people did not wish to leave the country they did not wish to be sent to liberia but the society bent on doing them good against their will did want them to leave the country did want to send them to liberia and why did the society desire to move the free people of color out of the country was it from motives of real philanthropy the colored people were the first to detect its spurious humanity the first to see through the artful disguises employed to impose upon the conscience of the republic their removal they intuitively divined was proposed not to do their race a benefit but rather to do a service to the owners of slaves these objects of the society's pseudo-philanthropy had the sagacity to perceive that practically their expatriation tended to strengthen the chains of their brethren then in slavery for if the south could get rid of its free-colored population its slave property would thereby acquire additional security and of consequence increased market value like cause like effect if the operation of a colonization scheme was decidedly in the interest of the masters it was the part of wisdom to conclude as the free colored people did actually conclude that the underlying motive the hidden purpose of the society was also in the interest of the masters garrison did not reach his conclusions as to the pro-slavery character and tendency of the society abruptly the scales fell away gradually from his eyes he was not completely undeceived until he had examined the reports of the society and found in them the most redundant evidence of its insincerity and guilt it was out of its own mouth that he condemned it when he saw the society in its true character he saw what he must do it was a wolf in sheep's skin running at large among the good shepherd's flock and inflicting infinite hurt upon his poor sheep he no longer wondered at the horror which the colonization scheme inspired among the free people of color they were right the society was their dangerous and determined enemy it was the bulwark of the slaveholding classes with the instinct of a great purpose he resolved to carry this powerful bulwark 
of slavery by assault to the attack he returned week after week in the liberator during a year and a half then he hurled himself upon it with all his guns facts arguments denunciations blowing away and burning up every shred of false covering from the doctrines principles and purposes of the society revealing it to mankind in its base and monstrous character the society's one motive to get rid of the free people of color was outrageous enough but this was not its only sin there was another phase to the mischief it was working which lifted it to the rank of a great sinner it was not only harmful in its principles and purposes it imperatively and effectually seals up the lips so garrison accused it of a vast number of influential and pious men who for fear of giving offence to those slaveholders with whom they associate and thereby leading to a dissolution of the compact dare not expose the flagrant enormities of the system of slavery nor denounce the crime of holding human beings in bondage they dare not lead to the onset against the forces of tyranny and if they shrink from the conflict how shall the victory be won i do not mean to aver that in their sermons or addresses or private conversations they never allude to the subject of slavery for they do so frequently or at least every fourth of july but my complaint is that they content themselves with representing slavery as an evil a misfortune a calamity which has been entailed upon us by former generations and not as an individual crime embracing in its folds robbery cruelty oppression and piracy they do not identify the criminal they make no direct pungent earnest appeal to the consciences of men stealers this was a damning bill but it was true in every particular and the evidence which garrison adduced to establish his charges was overwhelming and irrefragable nearly fifty years afterward eliza wright described the baleful influence of the society upon the humanity and philanthropy of the nation the humanity and philanthropy he said which could not otherwise be disposed of was ingeniously seduced into an african colonization society whereby all slaves who had grown seditious and troublesome to their masters could be transplanted on the pestiferous african coast that this wretched and seemingly transparent humbug could have deluded anybody must now seem past belief but i must with shame confess the fact that i for one was deluded by it and that fact would put me in doubt of my own sanity at the time if i did not know that high statesmen presidents of colleges able editors and that most undoubted affirm philanthropist garrett smith shared the same delusion bible and missionary societies fellowshipped that mean and scurvy device of the kidnapper in their holy work it was spoken of as the most glorious of christian enterprises had a monthly magazine devoted to itself and taxed about every pulpit in the land for an annual sermon in its favour such was the colonization society and its entrenched strength in the piety and philanthropy of the country at the moment when garrison published his thoughts it did not seem possible that a single arm however powerful was able to start its roots but directly upon the launching of this bolt the roots of the bohun upas as garrison graphically designated the society were seen to have started and the enterprise appeared blasted as by fire the deluded intellect and conscience of the free state saw in the fierce light 
which the pamphlet of the reformer threw upon the colonization scheme how shamefully imposed upon they had been they had believed the society the most glorious of christian enterprises and lo it stood revealed to them a scurvy device of the kidnapper the effect was extraordinary the book was seized and its contents devoured by some of the finest minds of the north here is an example of the interest which it excited and the converts which it made last monday evening was our law club meeting and i had the great satisfaction of hearing judge mellon our chief justice say he had read your thoughts was a thorough convert to your views and was ready to do all in his power to promote them mr longfellow father of henry wadsworth longfellow was present also and with equal warmth and clearness expressed himself also in favour of your views this is getting the two first men in the state for talents and influence in benevolent effort i have no doubt they will head the list of those who will subscribe to form here an anti-slavery society mr greenleaf simon also will cordially come in and i need not say he is one of the first men in the state for his character is known this quotation is made from a letter of general samuel fessenden of portland maine to mr garrison dated december fourteenth eighteen thirty two among the remarkable minds which the thoughts disillusioned in respect of the character and tendency of the colonization society were theodore dewell eliezer wright and beriah green n p rogers william goodell joshua levitt amos a phelps lewis tappan and james miller mckim garrison's assertion that the overthrow of the colonization society was the overthrow of slavery itself was from the standpoint of a student of history an exaggerated one we know now that the claim was not founded on fact that while they did stand together they did not fall together but the position was nevertheless the strongest possible one for the anti-slavery movement to occupy at the time in the disposition of the pro-slavery forces on the field of the opening conflict in eighteen thirty two the colonization scheme commanded the important approaches to the citadel of the peculiar institution it cut off the passes to public opinion and to the religious and benevolent influences of the land to reach these it was necessary in the first place to dislodge the society from its coin of vantage its strategical point in the agitation and this is precisely what the thoughts on african colonization did it dislodged the society from its powerful place in the moral sentiment of the north the capture of this position was like the capture of a drawbridge and the precipitation of the assaulting column directly upon the walls of a besieged castle within the pamphlet was contained the whole tremendous enginery of demolition the anti-slavery agent and lecturer thenceforth set it up wherever he spoke to him it was not only the catapult it furnished the missile like facts and arguments for breaching the walls of this pro-slavery stronghold as well the effect of the publication of the thoughts in this country was extraordinary but the result of their circulation in england was hardly less so it produced there as here a revolution in public sentiment upon the subject the philanthropy and piety of great britain had generally prior to the unmasking of the society looked upon it as an instrument of emancipation and had accordingly given it their powerful countenance and not a little material support 
but from the moment that the pamphlet reached england a decided change in this regard became manifest the society made fruitless attempts to break the force of the blow dealt it by garrison in the united states but wherever its emissaries travelled the thoughts confronted and confounded them so that mr garrison was warranted in saying that all that sophistry or misrepresentation could effect to overthrow its integrity has been attempted in vain the work as a whole stands irrefutable the attempts made to maintain its hold upon the british public were characterized by duplicity and misrepresentation beyond anything practised in america the work of deceiving the philanthropy of great britain was conducted by the emissary of the society elliot cresson a man perfectly fitted to perform his part with remarkable thoroughness and industry three thousand miles away from america and practically secure from contradiction he went about making outrageous statements as to the anti-slavery character and purpose of the colonization enterprise as there was no one in england sufficiently acquainted with the operations and designs of the society he was enabled to falsify facts to conceal the real principles of the scheme with astonishing audacity and activity he approached wilberforce and duped clarkson into a belief in the anti-slavery aim of the society unmasked in america the time had come when the interests of the abolition movement on this side of the atlantic required that it should be stripped of its disguises on the other side also no better instrument could be selected for this purpose than the man who had torn the mask from its features in the united states and so in march eighteen thirty three the board of managers of the new england anti-slavery society notified the public of the appointment of william lloyd garrison as their agent and that he would proceed to england as soon as the necessary arrangements can be made for the purpose of procuring funds to aid in the establishment of the proposed manual labor school for colored youth and of disseminating in that country the truth in relation to american slavery and to its ally the american colonization society the managers offered in justification of their step the fact that elliot cresson is now in england as an agent for the colonization society and that he has procured funds to a considerable amount by representing that the object of the society is to assist in the emancipation of all the slaves now in the united states it is important that the philanthropists of that country should be undeceived and that the real principles and designs of the colonization society should be there made known in pursuance of this mission garrison sailed from new york may two eighteen thirty three twenty days later he landed in liverpool his arrival was opportune for all england was watching the closing scene in the drama of west india emancipation he was an eyewitness of the crowning triumph of the english abolitionists viz the breaking by act of parliament of the fetters of eight hundred thousand slaves he was in time to greet his great spiritual kinsman william wilberforce and to undeceive him in respect of the colonization society before death claimed his body and to follow him to his last resting-place by the side of pitt and fox in westminster abbey a highly interesting incident of this visit is best told in mr garrison's own words he said on arriving in london i received a polite invitation by letter from mr buxton to take breakfast with him presenting myself at the appointed time when my name was announced instead of coming forward promptly to take me by the hand he scrutinized me from head to foot and then inquired have i the pleasure of addressing mr garrison of boston in the united states yes sir i replied i am he 
and i am here in accordance with your invitation lifting up his hands he exclaimed why my dear sir i thought you were a black man and i have consequently invited this company of ladies and gentlemen to be present to welcome mr garrison the black advocate of emancipation from the united states of america i have often said that that is the only compliment i have ever had paid to me that i care to remember or to tell of for mr buxton had somehow or other supposed that no white american could plead for those in bondage as i had done and therefore i must be black garrison promptly threw down his challenge to elliot crescent offering to prove him an impostor and the colonization society corrupt in its principles proscriptive in its measures and the worst enemy of the free colored and slave population of the united states from the first it was apparent that crescent did not mean to encounter the author of the thoughts in public debate even a mouse when cornered will show fight but there was no manly fight in crescent garrison sent him a letter containing seven grave charges against his society and dared him to a refutation of them in a joint discussion this challenge was presented four times before the agent of colonization could be persuaded to accept it garrison was bent on a joint public discussion between himself and mr cresson but mr cresson was bent on avoiding his opponent he skulked under one pretext or another from vindicating the colonization scheme from the seven-headed indictment preferred against it by the agent of the new england anti-slavery society as crescent could not be driven into a joint discussion with him there was nothing left to garrison but to go on without him his arraignment and exposure of the society in public and private was thorough and overwhelming he was indefatigable in the prosecution of this part of his mission and his labor was not in vain for in less than three months after his reaching england he had rendered the colonization society as odious there as his thoughts had made it in america the great body of the anti-slavery sentiment in great britain promptly condemned the spirit and object of the american colonization society such leaders as buxton and cropper termed its objects diabolical while zachary macaulay father of the historian did not doubt that the unchristian prejudice of color which alone has given birth to the colonization society though varnished over with other more plausible pretenses and veiled under a profession of a christian regard for the temporal and spiritual interests of the negro which is belied by the whole course of its reasons and the spirit of its measures is so detestable in itself that i think it ought not to be tolerated but on the contrary ought to be denounced and opposed by all humane and especially by all pious persons in this country the protest against the colonization society signed by wilberforce in eleven of the most distinguished abolitionists in great britain including buxton macaulay cropper and daniel o'connell showed how thoroughly garrison had accomplished his mission the protest declares thanks to the teachings of the agent of the new england anti-slavery society that the colonization scheme takes its roots from a cruel prejudice and alienation in the whites of america against the colored people slave or free this being its source the effects are what might be expected that it fosters and increases the spirit of caste already so unhappily predominant that it widens the breach between the two races exposes the colored people to great practical persecution in order to force them to emigrate and finally is calculated to swallow up and divert that feeling which america as a christian and a free country cannot but entertain that slavery is alike incompatible with the law of god and with the well-being of man whether the enslaver or the enslaved 
the solemn conclusion of the illustrious signers of this mighty protest was that that society is in our estimation not deserving of the countenance of the british public this powerful instrument fell as garrison wrote at the time like a thunderbolt upon the society the damage inflicted upon it was immense irreparable the name of thomas clarkson was conspicuous by its absence from the protest he could not be induced to take positive ground against the society garrison had visited him for this purpose but the venerable philanthropist who was then blind had taken position on neutral ground and could not after an interview of four hours be induced to abandon it but fortunately potent as the name of clarkson would have been in opposition to the society it was not indispensable to its overthrow in great britain garrison had won to his side all the staunch anti-slavery spirits while crescent was able to retain only a few titled wealthy high pretending individuals the success of the mission was signal its service to the movement against slavery in america manifold garrison writing from london to the board of managers summarized the results produced by it as follows first awakening a general interest among the friends of emancipation in this country and securing their efficient cooperation with us in the abolition of slavery in the united states second dispelling the mists with which the agent of the american colonization society has blinded the eyes of benevolent men in relation to the design and tendency of the society third enlisting able and eloquent advocates to plead our cause fourth inducing editors of periodicals and able writers to give us the weight of their influence fifth exciting a spirit of emulation in the redemption of our slave population among the numerous female anti-slavery societies sixth procuring a large collection of anti-slavery documents tracts pamphlets and volumes which will furnish us with an inexhaustible supply of ammunition these were indeed some of the grand results of laborious weeks his mission was ended he was profoundly grateful to the good god for its success the great movement which he had started against oppression in his own country was awaiting his aggressive leadership he did not tarry abroad therefore but set sail from london august eighteen eighteen thirty three for new york where he landed six weeks later End of chapter seven